Welcome to the Celibate Vegan Voices Podcast. I'm Chandler Klebs, and I'm here with my co-host, Monique Lukens. And Yeah, that's right. We're compadres. And we also have an announcement that we are changing the name of the show to Celibate Vegan Voices because we were calling it Celibate Vegan Compadres, but Monique seems to think it sounds better if we say Celibate Vegan Voices. So we'll see how this goes. That's what we'll call it for the time being. Um, And you can look. Hey, wait a minute. No, don't don't put all the responsibility on me, Chandler. Let me explain, listeners. So we had a, a survey that actually only went out to two people. <laughs> <laughs> One of them was a doctor, for a veterinarian, and they both liked uh, voices because the fact of the matter is, Chandler, that when some people hear that we are celibate, they seem to think that we live the life of monks where we can't have, you know, romantic partners. And the fact of the matter is that's not what we mean by celibacy. I, I mean, I, for one, I, I like intimacy. I like hugging, kissing and whatnot. Uh, but I do believe in being celibate um, because I do feel that there is a, a power to that and a, a control and a responsibility. So um, if we just say compadres, it just sounds like we're destined to only have friends for the rest of our lives and not be able to have a romantic partner. So that's why I feel that voices encompasses everyone for those who are romantic and aromantic, that you too could be celibate in your relationships and still have intimacy. But obviously you have to find the right person and there are and we are in the minority. We we already know that. Yeah, thanks <laughs> for the yeah, thanks this, for the found us. You found home. <laughs> right. Well, Monique, thank you for that correction. I stand corrected here. It's now it's not just Monique, it's Monique and two other people. <laughs> but I, I also uh, understand, I don't want to cause a misunderstanding. If people understand compadres to mean something that, that it doesn't, you know, I mean, I like the term myself. Of course, I happen to live my life more like a monk. <laughs> but um, anyway, so, uh, so that's the consensus now. But um, that you're probably right about that, Monique. It, it, voices will sound better to people. So anyway, yes, and we always be the celibate vegan compadres. You and I will always have that. And remember, uh, celibate vegan voices stands for CVV code, just like on the back of your credit card. And um, you know, I give a lot of credit to those people that are listening <laughs> to us. <laughs> I just got it. You give a lot of credit. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, we have a guest today. We have Judy Mancuso on the line. And Judy, um, I, I know just a little bit, but you can, here's your chance to explain to the audience, anyone who happens to listen to this anytime in the future, who you are and what you do. Hi, thank you for having me. Um, Well, I started um, uh, actually three nonprofits back uh, two in 2007. And uh, those two, one is a 501c3 called Social Compassion, and the other one is a 501c4, which is called Social Compassion and Legislation. And a 501c4 is a political nonprofit. It is the same as 
um, you know, give money to a, a politician, elected official, political campaign, uh, because what we work on are bills to protect animals. Uh, I've been vegan, vegetarian since 1990. I was a vegetarian before that, around 88. Uh, so I go way back uh, caring about the animals and the environment. And uh, I, I was doing animal rescue and education and outreach. And I felt that the best way to do the greatest, um, to help the animals the greatest, is uh, legislation. Because although we would like to change hearts and minds uh, voluntarily, a lot of times it, it needs to be uh, changing the law. Yeah, I would agree with that somewhat because... Although I've always been the type that just wants to persuade people from an ethical or moral perspective, I also understand that people's morality is shaped by the laws of their country because that influences what they're taught. So, Absolutely. You know, I want to mention, too, I just heard on a, a radio show where today's college students are learning that there is no such thing as right and wrong from a lot of their professors. And so a lot of morality is kind of um, in a gray area. Well, I guess maybe it always has been, but even more so. So when you have an actual law that is that is there in the books, we all know right or wrong, you need to follow that law. So Judy, I have been becoming more um, interested in this avenue than uh, um, more so than in, and I still feel that they're important, but then going to the protests because, yes, a lot of people will see you and maybe you'll get a car honk or maybe you'll change your mind. But um, as, as Chandler, as you're saying, you know, it's, it's kind of, iffy you never know but with the law you have to follow it so well, i'm yes and not only passing a law does it affect the people that you passed it for like in uh california but then others follow other states other jurisdictions and then all of a sudden you're saving animals exponentially and um i didn't mean to cut you off go ahead problem no problem well that that's true in fact California just had our uh, election March the 7th, and um, there were propositions and whatnot. And um, I, re I remember being persuaded to vote one way because it was something like harbors and contracts and should we make it, I think it was like 61 or 66 years instead of 50 because the rest of the, uh, the West Coast or California had... The 60 some years and I thought to myself oh yeah that sounds right let's keep it consistent so you're right about that Judy people do start following along um, with the president the president uh, laws that are that are passing California has always been a forerunner for that I remember that with cigarette smoking gosh it took like 10 15 more years for states to follow um, what California had done back in, I think it was 1996. Well, I'll give you a perfect example. We did an ordinance with um, Councilman Paul Koretz in the city of Los Angeles, and it 
what it does is it prohibits the sale of um, puppy mill, mill bred animals. So the only dogs, cats, and rabbits that you can quote unquote sell in a pet shop is has to be from a shelter, private or public, or a rescue group. And that way, you know, we uh, shut out the uh, commercially bred, mill bred animals. And that ordinance has now been copied 32 times in the state. There's 32 uh, cities that have passed it, but it's been passed 200 times nationwide. So that really puts a dent in the puppy miller's uh, bottom line and saves so many animals uh, because, you know, they won't breed as many. So therefore, uh, they won't actually be born to the cruelty. So I have three bills I'm doing this year, and I'd like to tell you briefly about those before, um, and then I can just take your questions after that if you don't mind. Does that sound okay? That sounds wonderful. Okay. I want to get so. reality, of course, as well, which goes with uh, breeding, because when you breed animals, to me, it seems like you have to uh, engage with their sexual organs or make them, you know, do things that they may not do. It all there's a there's a bark in the background. I think that was an affirmation. And Judy, sorry, I, sorry. I didn't. Yes, we have. Dad, we're glad to have him or her on the show too. Come, come on over. We okay, have dogs so, as a guest on our show. <laughs> You have Dickie and Candy in the background, and they it's their walk time, so they're getting a little impatient looking at me. Okay, so let me run through these, and then we can talk a little bit about um, uh, the lack of and what we could do with the bestiality laws. So the I have two California state bills. One is called the Pet Rescue and Adoption Act, AB 485, and it's exactly what I just talked to you about, the Los Angeles ordinance. It's taking it statewide, so that means no pet shops will be selling puppy mill animals in the state of California if this, pet, if this gets signed into law. Or, or cats are rabbits because cat mills and rabbit mills are no better than puppy mills. So that's AB 485. And then the second one is called the Police Canine Encounters Protection Act, and it's AB 1199. And what that is, um, one dog is shot, I'm sorry, a dog is shot once every 98 minutes by a police officer. So this means that they come in, they have an encounter with a dog. It could be at a wrong address. It could be at a right address, somewhere that they're going astray and they shoot in and kill them. And uh, what other states have passed training, mandatory training for police officers uh, to learn how to handle and recognize uh, behavior and have other tools uh, to use besides their gun. Um, and so in these states that have passed this legislation, the shootings have gone dramatically down. So that's the second bill. And the third bill is a federal bill, and it's called the Dog and Cat Meat Trade Prohibition Act, which is H.R. 1406, 1406. And that, um, 
actually in 44 states in the United States, there's nothing on the books to prohibit eating dogs and cats, believe it or not, or from killing them, transporting them for human consumption. So this will make it illegal in the United States of America, which would prohibit shipping, transporting, moving, delivering, receiving, possessing, purchasing, selling, or donating dogs or cats to be slaughtered for human consumption. So those are our three bills uh, for 2017, and we need support and um you know, that's that's what we've got going. Big stuff. Do you mean to tell me that America has been transporting some dogs out to other cultures to kill for meat, Judy? Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. I thought, I mean, I, I've been at a few protests. Uh, usually they're, they're the Asian con- countries. I can't remember, maybe South Korea or Japan, but I... I thought that it was all within the country. I didn't know that the actual United States was partaking in the uh, in the industry as well. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it's an underground. It's very underground, and it is in the Asian communities primarily, but it does exist, and there's nothing on the books. And I've been working, matter of fact, we're actually um, uh, doing this bill with Mark Ching and Animal Hope and Wellness Foundation, And Mark works overseas, South Korea and Cambodia, Vietnam, where this horrible dog meat trade is. And uh, for him, once we get this passed, he can use this as a model to take to these other countries and try to get uh, passed as well. Mm. I hope that someday we can do that with cows, too. You know, well, that, that's a big tall. That's a big tall order, but that's one of my dreams, absolutely. Oh yeah. As what I'd have to say about this is, it's it, what's interesting to me personally. I mean, I I find the killing of any animal horrific, really, whether it's human, dog, or cat, or or whatever, um, or cow or whatever. But here's the thing: it just reveals the bizarre speciesism people have, because you know, there's a lot of people that are carnivores. They are not even close to vegetarian or vegan there they eat meat for every meal but if somebody were to kill a dog or a cat because they have a special connection with those animals they would be really upset they would be all upset and and cry murderer you know if somebody did to a dog or a cat but for some reason they're fine when it's a cow or a pig i've never understood yeah there's definitely a big disconnect well, in the Asian countries, they believe that if they torture them uh, as they're killing them, that the meat is better for them somehow. So, you know, the torture aspect of it for the dogs is 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 very. I mean, I've attempted to watch these undercover videos that Mark has brought back from being in the slaughterhouses undercover, and you know, it's beyond anything. In the world, it's just crazy. Yeah, so, well, well, I've seen Earthlings, so I imagine it's it can't be much worse than that was. <laughs> yeah, Judy, so, is yes, that you're saying about uh, the Asian. I, I can't be everybody, but some people in the Asian countries thinking that there's more flavor to the meat if the animal is being tortured because 
the reason I brought up the cowl is because obviously uh, in the Indian uh, culture, many of them revere the cows and they're walking on the streets and whatnot. Not all of them uh, revere the cow still, but, um, you know, if, if this were India, we would probably be seeing um, less cows being uh, tortured and bred. Um, but also what I wanted to mention is many Indian people, when they say they don't eat meat, it's because not only is it within their religion of Hinduism, it's because they feel that whatever pain that animal was feeling goes into them. So that is completely opposite of what you're saying, where people in the Asian cultures are saying, yeah, we want the torture because it makes the meat taste better. Whereas Indian people, they don't want the torture to the animal because they feel like that bad energy is going to go into them. And I find that it fascinating because the, you know, India and the Asian uh, countries, they're like right next to one another. I know, but that- humans humans are crazy. So, I mean, there's no <laughs> answers for all this stuff. I mean, you know, you can beat your head against the wall. It's, it's shocking. I mean, the one subject you wanted to talk about uh, today and, you know, bestiality. I mean, how can anybody rape an animal? How could they rape a human baby? But they do, and it is shocking and, you know, demented as this stuff is. And one of the things that I've been talking about with a coalition of folks is um, doing a law here in California where people who do perform bestiality convicted of it have to register as a sex offender because right now they do not have to register as a sex offender, although that is what they are. They are, absolutely. By the way, India, that's in the content of Asia. Yeah, I, I should know this. This is bad. <laughs> so they're, they're neighbors and they're doing it. Um, yeah, I, I, that's, that's a wonderful thing to make people accountable for their actions with, you know, sexual encounters with animals, animals that they're innocent and they don't want to be, you know, having intercourse or whatever else is being done to them. They, I, I think that's a, that's a wonderful idea that people have to register as sex offenders. It's, well, yeah, yeah, it's sexual abuse. It's no different than if it's, it's, you know, they, so they're, they're, you know, defenseless. And, uh, again, back to, you know, humans being awful. So that's one thing. And I know that you brought up about, you know, what they do on farms with, um, you know, sticking their arms and the udders of the cows and whatnot. And, um, you know, so well, go ahead if you want to talk about that. Yeah, let's, let's mention exactly, because I think that there's a lot of people that don't know still, they think it's the happy cow that, you know, is being just milked by hands with the udders and I don't even like that per se, but what I saw in a documentary about a month ago was horrific. Um, I saw uh, human arms going up the vaginal area of the um, of the cow to inseminate her, like a whole arm, not even just like the hand. 
And I thought, whoa, that, that must be so painful and it's so invasive. And then in order to collect the sperm, this is another thing that looked just disgusting. Like it would be in some sort of pornography video, literally. <laughs> uh, they put electric nodes on the bull's testicles to vibrate them in order for the uh for the for the bull to um you know release his sperm I, I mean like you know huge like electric nose like so that they could get huge quantities of sperm it just i couldn't believe it and being that this is a celibate vegan show the fact of the matter is i i feel and you know for for some people i i, I will not judge people if you know they want to you know, engage in sexual relations. I'm not going to judge. I'm just saying that this is what Chandler and I believe in. It's a holistic practice. But the fact of the matter is for for people that believe that sex is sacred or, you know, just, um, you know, for, for, for making babies that you actually want to have and to care for for the rest of your life because it really is a responsibility commitment this falls so much in in line with what we're trying to say here how can and and also for many christians that are and um you know christianity has completely seeped into united states politics for the better or the worse and a, a lot of it has become corrupted in my eyes and many right-wing Christians that are more supporting, you know, the, the type of principles that Donald Trump and his cronies have been um, speaking of and whatnot. And I don't want to get too political, but many, many Christians, are they're very, very much against uh, a, a abortion. And I don't like abortion either because uh, I don't like killing, period. You know, I think it should be very, very limited, um, you know, with rape cases and whatnot. I don't believe in that, in killing. But when all these people are, like, so pro-life and then they they go to a restaurant or they have their farms and they're making babies this way uh, and and some of them believe in abstinence or so they say that they believe in abstinence, well, yeah, abstinence I, mean, only I, I i hate to interrupt but i mean there's a total disconnect here i mean they don't see animals as equal to humans so that's the first thing they think that they're here to for them to just use abuse eat slaughter do whatever you need to do to get it to Walmart or Kroger or wherever for the lowest price. So, I mean, it's definitely apples and oranges and, you know, you're, they don't have those same morals and ethics as uh, obviously as vegans do and how we see uh, the animal. So, I mean, yeah, well, at this point, what I would have to mention is, in an ironic twist of events, the reason I ended up going vegan was because I was pro-life. You know, I, I'm against abortion and all that. But then somebody pointed out to me about the killing of all these other animals and, like, how it's no different. I'm like, well, 
yeah, that's right. So that so first I turned vegetarian, then vegan after I found out more details about the dairy and egg industries, and then because basically it, it is a person cannot advocate to not be killing humans, but then go and killing all these other animals um, because that's just a double standard. That's hypocrisy. And so I went vegan as a result of my respect for human life and then, then just extended it to all species. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, I've, I've never heard that reason and why someone has gone vegan in all my years. So I may be that, the only one. <laughs> I, you know, will take, take you however you want to come to it because it's saving so many animals lives with you not eating them and to get the good word out for them. I mean, for me, I read a book in the late eighties diet for a new America and I had always loved animals and always, you know, was into helping them like through rescue and whatnot. Uh, but after I read Diet for a New America and I realized just how abusive and horrible the farming industry is and just how bad it is for our health and how bad it is for the environment, the air and groundwater that it just you know it was kind of a sense of freedom that I could give it up and there was so many reasons to do it and uh, I've never looked back and you know people always say stuff to the effect of oh you can't have that and I say no 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 I don't want it you know Big difference. And, 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 you know, it's interesting because people do that with, with me and they try to make a distinction like it's not that you – you it's like – it's kind of like a, a can't, won't thing. You know what I mean? Like um, it, it's, it's hard to explain, but they act as if um, – yeah, like it's a restrictive thing. Like you're doing something you don't want to do, but exactly. But, but really, yeah. it's that we want to reduce suffering. We don't want to be part of the suffering, so we are doing exactly what we want what to we do. Want to do? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I always, I always correct that. No, no, I can have it. I just don't want it. And then that that kind of blows them away because they can't wrap their head around that, you know, you don't want that juicy burger with cheese all over it. And it's like, ugh, you know. And, and, what's, and what's interesting is here's what it comes down to. Quite literally, a person who, who can't have something because, like, let's say they're lactose intolerant and they cannot consume dairy for that reason, as right. opposed to an ethical vegan who won't eat, who won't consume dairy for ethical reasons, both – are practically the same. One can't because of some condition. The other one doesn't want to for various reasons. And so at least they're both practically following the same thing, even though they have different reasons behind it. One one has a choice. The other one is doing it because they don't want the discomfort. Right. And so what? So what's interesting? The only real difference is one of them is a is a selfish motive. The other is more of an altruistic motive. That's well, that's exactly right. Yes. So, um, so is there anything else you would like to ask before, uh, we wrap it up and I go walk my impatient doggies who are being very, very, uh, uh, thoughtful and not barking right now and being very nice, but looking at me like, come on already. Yeah. Well, well I did. 
why don't you, if you'd like, you could um, take them for a walk and continue with our conversation because we would love to continue to have you. I, I, yeah, I do have many more questions about this bestiality because in, I think it was 42 states, it's illegal, but in 80, in eight states, it is legal. Um, So, and, and you were saying the reason that what's happening in the dairy industry, uh, why it, it doesn't cross the line of bestiality is because it's underneath, it's under a vet, underneath, veterinary medicine. Yeah. Yeah. Veterinary medicine. It would be, you know, a part of their whole process of getting these animals to do what they need them to do on the farm. I mean, it's not right but the rights of animals are so limited on farms and with big ag, uh, the big ag is, you know, the most powerful and longest running uh, lobby group in the United States. And, you know, for instance, I did a bill to mandate spaying and neutering with some exceptions back in 2007 uh, for the state of California, and the big the the groups that came out to fight it were Big Ag, Farm Bureau, Cattlemen's Association, NRA, AKC, and the reason why is they used uh, the term slippery slope because they felt that you know they don't want anyone to tell them what to do with their animals. And so these uh, farm animals have very few protections. And like I said, they are one of the hugest lobby groups on the face of the earth. So, you know, it's, it's a really tough hill to climb. And you would have to outrage the public. I mean, when you look at foie gras, you look at veal, you know, um, how they keep a field calf until they kill it, you know, never sees light, never gets to move, poops and pees all over itself. It's disgusting, right? Yeah. But, you know, until um, the public is aware enough of it that there can be some kind of groundswell and movement against it, you know, they're just going to keep doing what they're doing. So, I mean, we're talking, you'd have to get this in the highest level in front of people. You'd have to do billboards. You'd need to be on TV. You'd need to be everywhere educating people that this exists on the farms. Uh, And then be willing to find a farmer that doesn't do the practice and does something humanely, let's call it. (laughs) Uh, that says, well, I don't do that on my farm. I don't practice that, you know, and you can do these humane methods um, and that there's an alternative because what Big Ag says is, oh, well, those vegans, they just want to take the meat off your plate. I mean, during my spay and neuter bill, I was accused of being the animal rights extremist that just wants to take the food off your plate. And this is what (laughs) spay and neuter. I mean, see, here, this this always makes me laugh because somehow the the ones who are advocating the not killing and the not torturing and raping we're the extremists, but the ones who are doing all this torture and rape and murder they're not considered extreme. What's up with that? I can't figure it out. 
I don't know. It's just all backwards. It's it's it, it's just backwards. And yeah. We have to fix it. We got to turn turn the ship. You know, and it and it starts with the younger generation, millennials, and reaching out to them. I don't know how old you guys are. You seem fairly young, but it's you know getting out to the youngsters that this is not where they want to be growing up. You know. Oh yeah, definitely. See, we live in a, a culture where people are very, very ignorant. Like, for example, when somebody found out I was vegan, they asked me where I get my protein. And I'm like, literally every vegetable, especially beans and nuts, are loaded with protein. And people just don't know this. They don't realize that, first of all, people can live long, healthy lives eating only plants. Second of all, that, and this is something that my friend Jamie often mentions, that now they have this whole lab-grown meat thing that is becoming a popular idea. And while I think it's completely useless to me because I'm fine just eating plants, that if that catches on, hopefully that will be a somewhat better alternative to existing practices where these animals are, are raised in these farms and then killed uh, painfully and all that sort of stuff. But people just aren't educated. They are just brought up in a culture where well, everybody eats turkey on Thanksgiving. And, and, and right. you know, it's just like it, – and, and that's how I was is that I was just – you know, I grew up in, you know, mid Midwest United States, grew up Protestant Christian and just was around very traditional just – I, you know, kind of a brainless culture, and I was just eating like everyone else until my eyes were open to the cost to those animals for us to have this stuff on our plate that doesn't even taste good in the first place unless I load ketchup on it. <laughs> so, so yeah, so once I became aware, I just changed my whole lifestyle, I, and I went vegan, and I lost 50 pounds, and I'm doing great. You know? Oh, wow. Well, see, there's hope. There's hope of uh, getting people turned in the right direction. I, too, am from the Midwest, originally from St. Louis, Missouri, uh, my family is a uh, Sicilian American. My ancestors came over around 1913, escaping fascism in Italy. And, um, you know, I grew up on the four food groups. It was red meat and milk and, you know, that's what you ate and that's how it was. And you didn't question it. And that's that. And, you know, I remember seeing a bunch of cows in a, in a truck and I said to my, my parents, I was in the back seat. I was like maybe 10 years old and I was looking in the eyes of these cows at a stop sign in Missouri. And I said, you know, where are the cows going? And my dad said, well, to the slaughterhouse so you can have, you know, your hamburgers. And I said, what? <laughs> so they're going to the slaughterhouse because that's where your hamburgers and everything come from and I was like well I don't want to eat them you know I mean it was like what wait and because we're so disconnected the way that they deliver the food to the markets all packaged that there's no they change the name so that you don't even think of it as a body part and, and from then on, in my mind, I thought, I don't want to eat the animals. I love the animals. I don't want to eat them, as a lot of little children do feel. But it was like, well, no, this is what we have to do. And then when I was older, 
and I had friends that weren't eating them. I read Diet for a New America. That's why I'm saying that it was liberating to read, oh, in fact, you don't have to eat them to be healthy. If you don't eat them, you're going to be even healthier, which I can um, attest to being uh, I just turned 54 years old. I've been vegan since I was 30. And every year, like clockwork, I get, you know, my exams and blood work and everything is just always been good. And for people at 54, that is not the case if they're meat eaters. I know. It's interesting because I've had several um, regular blood tests. I'm part of uh, Rediscover, plus I just went for my 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 yearly physical at Truman, my checkup, and my blood pressure, my my BMI, my pulse, my uh, all of that stuff. Like the numbers are perfect. They're like, whoa, you're super healthy. It's just it's they don't see that. They don't see that with anyone. But I know it's got to be my my active lifestyle and my vegan diet. That's it, it is. It absolutely is. And I had a doctor one time. I bet it was about ten years ago, maybe fifteen. And she got my blood work and everything done. She came in the room and she said, what do you eat? <laughs> and I said, well, I'm vegan. I've been vegan for many years. She goes, well, will you tell me what you eat? And I said, okay. And she sat there with pen and paper and wanted me to go through what I had for breakfast, lunch, and dinner and different things. She was just astonished with my blood work year after year after year. And now we know. I mean, now American Heart Association, you know, uh, Dr. Sanjay Gupta on CNN. Now it's mainstream. You know, before it was like, oh, you know, it's crazy vegans, crazy vegetarian granola heads. And now it's like, oh, yeah. I like granola. That's so crazy. Oh, yeah, I know. It's interesting because, you know, I, first and foremost, I've always advocated it as the ethical thing because I I wouldn't – I would not kill any other humans. I would not rape them. I would not masturbate um, human men and then stick my arm up human women's vagina. I would not do any of that to humans, so I'm certainly not going to do that to cows or pigs or anything like that. It's just so simple from an ethical point of view. But now th- there's there's uncountable the evidence. You know, it's just infinite the evidence of people who their whole health has turned around after going vegan. There's- Absolutely. But hey, you could do that to a man or woman if they consented. The thing about animals is that they can't consent, nor nor would they, but but they can't. So I mean, comparing an animal is more like comparing it to uh, a baby. And to me, a anyone who does bestiality is no different than someone that rapes uh, a four-month-old baby. I agree and, 100%. And, yeah. It's, 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 yeah. So, well, listen, guys, uh, I planned on one hour with you and we're coming up on five o'clock. So um, I would like to, I'll tell you, I am looking into doing this bill and getting some language about how we make these folks uh, sex criminals. And when I do get that done and figure it all out, I would love to come back and talk to you more about it. And I'd like to tell your listeners to visit my website, which is socialcompassioninlegislation.org. And I know that's a big mouthful, 
But that's what I want to do is I want to create uh, compassion in our society through laws. And so that's why I came up with that name, socialcompassioninlegislation.org. Wow. Well, it was a pleasure having you as our guest, and we can have you on again ne next time that you, you, you feel like you have something to come on and say. So I guess you better go walk your dogs or whatever you have yes. to do. Yes. And yes. Thank you, Monique. Thank you very much for the introduction. Yes. You're welcome. By the way, I'm part Sicilian too, and so it was very difficult for me to make the uh, – the transition to my, my family because I've been told, uh, don't deprive yourself. And now it's been 16 years since I've not eaten meat. <laughs> I'm still hearing that. So, um, oh yeah, you know. it was a rocky road when I first told them it was like, you know, going against everything, uh, the family at Christmas time, you know, oh, you're not going to have the spadini. You're not going to eat this. You know, it's like anti-family kind of thing. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to have it. I'm pro-family for the cows, and I don't want these babies killed and taken from their mothers. That's pro-family. Exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you. And keep doing what you're doing, spreading the good word. Yes. Thank you, thank Judy. You, Judy. Hope to have you on again. Okay. okay very good. Bye-bye. All right. Bye, Let's, I, I say that we continue speaking about this because there are some things that I want to. Oh yeah, me upon. too. Definitely. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, it's a, it's six 56 according to my time and I plan on being off of here at eight. So that means we have about an hour where we can say some more things. Cause I have a few more things to say you do. And so it was great having Judy on as our guest for an hour. So I have to, yeah. so, um, who, which should start first with what we have to say? Uh, can we go with ladies first? Is yeah, that okay yeah, that's fine. I don't care. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, one thing that you were saying earlier about, and she was saying it too, where some people go vegan for selfish reasons, health reasons, while others go for altruistic reasons. I would love to get some YouTubers to make a comment on this. If you're vegan, why did you go vegan? Was it for health or was it for ethics or was it for both or which came first, the chicken or the egg? <laughs> um, because it's interesting. I find that there is a difference between the two groups of people. And I must say that my personal preference is that I'm, I feel more connected to those people who came to veganism through an altruistic um, reason, because that's how I came uh, to it. Uh, you know, I've said before in the shows how it happened. I had a spiritual epiphany. It was just me alone in a room, no food, no animals were around. And I just looked at my wrist and I thought, wow, I'm a fragile creature eating other fragile creatures. And a cow's life just kind of like w went in, uh, into my mind. And I thought, wow, you know, we're just manipulating these cows, babies, so that we could kill them. What if we did that to human babies? And from there, I stopped eating meat. And... 
I haven't been able to find anybody with that same story, just as Judy uh, has never heard of your reason for becoming um, vegan, uh, Chandler. And, you know, recently I got involved. I don't know. I don't want to say recently. I I've been had been speaking to someone for, God, almost three years now. Um, I thought he was a twin flame and still think he may be. But um, I think that he came, I think he came more towards the veganism. Well, I think he's a vegetarian with vegan instincts. Um, I think he came more from a health standpoint. I, I, actually, I'm not so sure. I shouldn't, I shouldn't judge. I think it kind of is both. But um, I find that, that when people come to it, from a health reason, their ethics are a little bit more disconnected in other areas that my ethics are in alignment with. And it, it, it actually, it actually disappoints me greatly. And I don't know how you feel about that Chandler, but I look, I want everybody to be healthy, but first and foremost, I feel that the reason that we're on this earth is to make it a better place than when we first got here. And I feel that by our ethics, we can do that. And if you're only in it for yourself, you know, for my health, you know, and everything, everyone and everything else just comes secondary. I just don't feel that that's, that's not the way I live my life. And maybe I should live my life more like that. Maybe I would be in less debt. <laughs> maybe, maybe I wouldn't think that much and be a little bit happier. I, I'm not sure, but to, well, I actually am happy with myself because I feel good about my choices and what made me get to those choices. And it wasn't just about me. So yeah. I don't, I just don't feel that comfortable with people that are only in it for the health now, but I will say though, um, I got healthier and healthier as each year passed by. And as I went up each, uh, rung of the vegan ladder, you might as well say, because I was vegetarian. Then again, for ethics, I went vegan and then well, no, actually, the veganism was almost a health thing. It was five years later, and I thought, oh, well, I haven't been eating meat. Maybe I should just eliminate uh, dairy and eggs because they're fatty and see what happens for a week. But the reason that I continued on was because of ethics, because Synchronicity had it that I actually saw documentaries about the egg and dairy industry that I did not know about. And at that point, I'm like, well, I must stick. I must stay this way. Oh, and yeah. then I clogged the toilet for six months, seriously, because I was detoxifying, not knowing. I'm like, what's going on? I mean, seriously, the it would f overflow. The, the, I was embarrassed. And then. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. I know what you mean. I've had the same experience. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, in 2009. I was exposed to the raw vegan uh, world 
And it was because of health. I was in a relationship and he was raw. I never heard of it in my life. And But I went to this festival and I never felt better on any food in my life. I, I just walked out. I stayed there for a day and a half. Even the latrines to me, which are like disgusting, you know, looking down at there at all the poo-poo. I, I felt good even in the latrines because everything just felt clean to me. It was organic. It wasn't processed. You know, everybody was in such like alignment. And that's why I've tried to do at least 50% or more raw. And whenever I do more raw, I feel better. And it's hard though, because I keep, you know, I go back to the cooked in the process, not a lot, but a little bit because it tastes good. And, um, but I will say like every time I've gone up this like vegan, you know, getting more and more strict with myself, I felt healthier. So even though it was like an ethical thing, it turned out into being a health thing. And I can, I can say being more raw vegan in some ways is ethical because I'm not going through like having to have factories like process my food and using all that unnecessary energy and waste yeah, and, and, you know, having all these like bags and stuff. I mean, fresh food, you don't have to have in bags, you know, and jars and so you just like, you just eat it and you, you know, you don't have to cook it. So you're not using any electricity in that way. So in that, in that sense, it's, it, it is better kind of ethically for the environment. Um, and you know, it's, we, we might as well also put out there if you're being kind to your body, then you are being ethical because you're, you only get the one body while we're here on the earth. And it's your tool, you know, to do good or however you want to use it. So you got to keep it, um, you got to keep it healthy in order to do the good work. Yeah. And, and the last thing I want to say is I was listening this morning to a YouTube video about earth angels. And I, I kind of believe that many people that feel this way where, you feel that you want to make the earth a better place than when you left. I think that there is something to say that maybe you are an earth angel. You know, everybody has a purpose for being on this planet. And I know that Chandler does not believe in, in free will, but you must admit still, even if you don't have free will or whatever, do you feel that everybody has their own set purpose? There's something that make. there's some reason that we're here. Well, so, well go yeah, I would like to respond to that. Now, this may get a little philosophical and may confuse our listeners. So, <laughs> but um, what I want to say is, now, first of all, I mean, People know that I say that free will is an illusion, and that's because people don't make decisions in a vacuum, that what they do is caused by something. Like I didn't, I didn't of my free will, d decide to turn into a vegan. No, it happened because I became educated. Likewise, I didn't choose to be a carnist. I didn't choose to grow up in a meat-eating culture. And so you see that we don't shape ourselves. We don't shape our personality or even our diet because it happens as 
things happen to us to make us change. Nobody just get a, just randomly changes themselves. So that's what I mean when I say I say there's no free will. And and because of this, this allows me to view others realizing that Yes, other people are doing harmful things, but that's just because they aren't educated. They just don't have the view. You know, they're not up on the hill with a with a bird's eye view like we are. You know what I mean? And I don't mean to sound elitist like this, but I just mean to sound that say that we're educated. We are educated about what's good for us, what's good for those animals, and we ha and I I believe that people can change. But they're not going to just change of their free will. Something's going to cause them to change. And so causality or determinism is totally what I'm all about. And that's why I'm doing this show with you, Monique. That's why I do things because if I thought people just had a free will to just choose whatever, then, then our input, what we say, would have no effect. And so it's, it's precisely because we set an example for others that what we do is important. And as far as the purpose or like whether we have a purpose or destiny, um, I think I'll just have to say that, you know, your purpose, you, you, your purpose basically is, you know, to be happy and make others so. What more could it be? What better thing is there? And I think that should be our purpose. Do what makes you happy as long as you're not hurting anyone and you and you've got it made, really. What do you think? Yeah, but there are people out there that I, I I mean, I think helping people makes everybody happy. In fact, it's scientifically proven that people who are depressed, they get less depressed when they're actually helping people. And I think that's always been true of me. I mean, not that I've been clinically depressed, but there's times where I'm sad and whatnot. And as soon as I help somebody, I feel better. Well, you yeah, know, I, I have proof of that. that. Yeah, I have proof of that in my life because, you know, you, you may not know this, Monique, but I've been seriously depressed. I was suicidal and self-harming and really, really bad depressed, okay? But a lot of things happened. A lot of things happen, you know, there was me leaving the belief system of Christianity, which is a big start because there's a whole bunch of shame and guilt in the system of Christianity. And then there's going vegetarian and then going vegan and realizing, you know, seeing myself connected with all these other animals as this big, as seeing us all as kind of this one big life form that's just kind of split into separate pieces. I view us as like pieces of a puzzle. And see, and this is what where I came to see that I am not a worthless, disgusting, sinful uh, thing like I was taught from a young age that I was. Instead, I am part of this grand thing we call life, and I'm important. The other humans are important. The cows and the sheep, the pigs, the horses, the the you know the ants the grasshoppers we're all important and let's all just respect each other and that's where how I came to be where I am now and I can tell you Monique that sometimes I get down but then you know what happens I do a show with my co-host it'll be it'll be you or Poffo or Jamie or Trick or George or somebody and by recording these podcasts and letting these other people speak their mind uncensored you know, I'm providing a service for these people, and I feel good about that, and that really cheers me up. Oh, that's so nice. 
really. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Aw. Uh, what else? I wanted to say something more about um, helping people. Oh, goodness gracious. I don't know. The thought... See, I'm feeling so good, I can't even think. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, the Earth Angel. Uh, yeah, I wanted to <laughs> touch upon that again. It's interesting. I'll send you the video. Maybe you can post it. You can link it to this video. But it was saying that um, Earth Angels a lot of times are very much into philosophy. Uh, and um, just more sensitive. And actually look younger. It's interesting, too. You look younger than you are. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I, 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 I just feel that... Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I do feel that there are some people that even if they feel good, like, helping someone and whatnot, like, there's still some people that more live for themselves than others. And especially in a society that is global corporate based where your life and your status depends on um, how much money you have in your pocket. And, you know, right now we are in somewhat of a crisis because the ethics have really disintegrated in this country because in particular, and the world because money has become more important than connections between people. See, I believe that people had more connections, you know, back in the day, more honorable connections toward one another than we do now. Not to say that there aren't some great people in this world. There absolutely are. And not to say that we haven't evolved. We absolutely have evolved since cavemen times. But because our dollar gets us what we want, you know, just look at politics. I mean, I believe Trump is in the office because, you know, he put all his bucks out and, you know, political favors and whatnot. And there's actually been more um, hate crimes taking place now than before since he got into office and I believe that this is because he used bullying tactics and whatnot when he has been speaking all this time um, and people who are for Trump the one thing that rings true with them is they like the fact that he's running the country like a business and there's positives and negatives to a business. The positives are, if it's an ethical company, that's great. You know, things get, like, done correctly. But let's face it, there's a lot of corruption in businesses, especially big business. If you look at Wells Fargo, you know, they were making all these bank accounts for people that they didn't want the bank accounts or credit cards or something like that. They were making their employees open accounts for people. And <laughs> they were firing the employees if they didn't open the accounts for people that didn't want them. You know, some people got in trouble from this and whatnot. And I, I think some people, you know, got compensation if they were like whistleblowers but then I think some got into trouble for doing what their bosses 
told them to do because they didn't whistle blow and just just oh. a mess oh man it all has to do, it all has to do with money you know I, I mean unfortunately like my twin flame he made a he made a statement which i didn't really like he's like oh there's nothing better than being young and rich and it's <laughs> like wait a minute i mean you know nothing better than being young and rich Okay, but how are you doing it? That's just the thing. And he was saying that he wanted to maybe like work in an insurance company and whatnot. I can tell you, not all insurance companies are bad, but I was recently hit, light hit in a car, by a car in a library. And the insurance agency wanted to say that it was 10% my fault because I saw this guy backing out and I was honking my horn for like 12 seconds to make sure that he didn't bump me. Like I couldn't go forward and I couldn't go back because there were like, there was an opening in the parking lot if I went back and there were possible cars that could like jut out and hit me. And I couldn't go forward because I didn't think that there was enough time to get out of the way. Yet they wanted to say 10% my fault for just like, and it's, it's like no 10% my fault because you don't want to pay. Yeah, that's what 10%. it comes down to, Monique. That's how – look, that's how uh, insurance generally is. That's how even government welfare programs are. They don't want to pay, and they'll try to find any loophole that they can accuse you of so they don't have to pay what you need. And, 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 and you know, Monique, you understand that I as well as Jamie and Poffo and many of the people that I'm associated with – we're followers of, you know, the Zeitgeist movement, the Venus Project. We understand that money is a complete illusion. It's just this weird human invention, but it has no reality to it. And just look how many people place emphasis on it. We, and it's like we have to it's like we have to pretend and go along with the illusion. Like that's what I feel like. I have to work my job, I have to earn money, I have to pay the bills, buy food and all that. But I also understand that it's all an illusion. I also understand it's not real. And and this has some interesting effects on me, Monique, is, is you know how I am. I don't want things to be about money if they don't have to be. Like – and you and you know that um, – for example, I'm very hesitant to – to ever like I, I would not do any of the podcasts I do if they were behind a paywall if it was something that people had to pay to listen no I wouldn't do it that way because I just I think some things are so important that they have to be free information should be free especially information that will save lives and and I will mention also if we do get to write that book that we talk about occasionally you know, if we if we if we get to that and we can pull that off, then people can support our work that way by buying our book. But we can keep the podcasts free, you know, and because it's it's interesting because it's like navigating this world and the twisted reality that this thing called money creates in people's minds because it affects people's minds. And makes them miss the things that are most important. And 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 and, and here's and this is kind of a, a a sad thought, but I'll see how how this sounds to you. Is you know, like with me, I'm like, wait a minute. When you die, what good does your money do you? 
It doesn't do you any good. And when another thing, when you die, whatever money you have have left, uh, you don't get to say what happens to it either. You can and you can make a will, but that doesn't guarantee that other people will follow your will because you're not there to make them do it because you're dead. And and so that's the thing, Monique. Is now I don't know if I'll ever be rich enough to do have the influence, you know, for the animals and for other people to do the things I want to do. But I'll tell you one thing, Monique. If I if I ever do if I ever do have any extra money. I want to, I want to know before I die. And this this may sound funny, r really weird. Okay, don't get depressed people, but if I am to if I die, I want to know with a, a certain amount of warning beforehand when so that I can best figure out what to do with my remaining money because I don't want there to be a bunch of extra money that other people fight over left. I don't want there to be money left over. I want it to be spent on things that only I approve of while I still have the chance to say. You get what I'm saying? I do. I wonder if there's something that can be done in a will, possibly. I mean, usually anything can be done if it's in writing, where if you leave a certain portion of money to someone, you state, well, this is where it's going to go for here, and this is where it's going to go for that. I mean... You're pretty much micromanaging it. I don't know how far you can go to micromanaging because even if you give something to a good cause, there can always be corruption within the cause because you won't be there anymore to see that there's not corruption. You know, I mean, so you'll never be able to completely know that you had control over it uh, in total. Yeah, but I think you probably could. You know, if you say, well, thirty thousand dollars is going to go to this organization for this specific purpose. Right. And I'll, I'll tell you, I, Monique, I have to tell you, there's one thing money can't buy, and that is a trustworthy friend. Um, and this is important because, you see, my mom and I have these talks occasionally. You know, she's... She she's you know she's putting stuff in place. She's trying to get stuff done. She wants to have a will done. She's trying to get you know life insurance, you know that that sort of stuff done. And see, here's the thing: she has me to trust. She knows that whatever she wants done, I will do it. She can trust me with that. You know what I'm saying? Um, and that's an important thing. You know, the best a person can do is if there's somebody that they really trust to to have, have to make sh sure they do whatever they can legally to make sure that the money goes to them so that they will do what the person wants that's the important thing you know and it's 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 interesting but yeah i mean it's just it's a very important thing i mean money is it's an illusion, but in this weird illusion uh, of humanity and money that we live in, it's a tool. It's a tool. Whatever – if we do have the money to do something, it's a tool. It is not a, a social status symbol. It's not just some badge you wear like, hey, look at me, people. I have money You know, because who cares about that? I don't care about that. Nobody is going to get anywhere with me by bragging about how much money they have because that's not, that's not what matters. It, all, all that matters is, is the people. Uh, all, yes. the, all the animals. And uh, absolutely. I've slunk away. Is that a word? Slunk away? Slinked away from people? <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I know what you mean. It's 
it, it's very interesting, but Monique, yes, yeah, seriously. Uh, and about the other thing about, you know, people who are vegan for um, health as opposed to ethical reasons, like, like Poffo said when I was talking to him, you know, people don't stick with it if they do it for just health reasons. If they're just doing it for health reasons, then they tend to not stick with it. And I find that interesting because, like, you know, you, you ever have you ever heard of these people who are trying to lose weight and they try to go on these diets, but then they can't stick with their diet? Because yes. I, I find that people are not very motivated to do things just for themselves. It's, it's ironic. You would think they would be. You'd think that they would be motivated by their own health. You know, you would think so. But I find that that's not actually as strong a motivation as people think. But in my experience, when it's about not me, but when it's about a whole bunch of other people, then that is a stronger motivation. So I think the ethical reasons are more compelling to be vegan than health reasons for that reason. Well, you know what? That's interesting that you say that um, because I kept it to myself for a bit, but I'll, I'll – I won't give specific names because I was actually volunteering. Um, so I'll just, I'll be ethical on that. But I, uh, I spoke to big, a big wig behind the show, The Biggest Lo Loser. You might have heard of that reality show. I, I have. Uh, I think I've seen clips of that on YouTube or something a long time ago. Okay. So I had a question. Um, I said, if you showed people, have you ever thought about showing people a slaughterhouse, those people who are overweight? Because I pretty much guarantee that anyone who would see what's going on would stop eating meat. <laughs> They'd lose weight. <laughs> he, cut, he cut me off so quickly. And he's like, no. You know, uh, the vegan diet, um, you know, that, that uh, it's fad diet. Uh, you know, we, we don't do fad diets. It's all about psychology, and you know, that, that won't work. I swear. I won't say who said it, but I was so sad because – and I was so disappointed and kind of angry because this person was, like, telling himself to, you know, be a hero for all these people that, like, lost a lot of weight, you know, and I mean – it's not a fad diet, number one, just as Judy said. Now there are studies out. And um, number two, the fact that he just, like, cut me off like that, like, what does that say? I mean, it cut me cut me off trying to talk about, you know, being compassionate and letting them see, you know, the slaughterhouse. Oh, yeah. It, it just goes to show you, like, how TV people think a lot of times. It's all like about – I still think it's all about money. Yeah, and, and see, that's that I censorship. Like in some instances, that's why I have not done as well as I have set out to, you know, to be out here in Hollywood and in acting and whatnot because my ethics have gotten in the way of, you know, my principles, values of, you know, those who I have associated with and projects that I have partaken with. And even by speaking out right now, I could probably be hurting myself. But at this point, I don't care because <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't have much more to lose, you know? Um, yeah, so yeah. I hope that that person, you know, some years have gone by and maybe this gentleman 
has reevaluated what he did to me that day. And maybe I shouldn't have even have said the, uh, said the show, but I did. And, you know, if, I just want to say that shows that promote helping people, they should, they should listen all the way around. Cause I, you know, I tried to do diets before I was a vegan, you know, they didn't work. They didn't. I mean, my hair was like coming out more. I remember when I was 17, I got thin. I wasn't eating very much. And um, my mom was afraid that I was anorexic. I wasn't anorexic, but I wasn't eating as much as I probably should have. It was hard to because she's Italian background and trying to get me to eat this and that. And, you know, I mean, it's not just like the meat stuff. It's like there's a lot of fattening kind of stuff even if it's healthy for you in the italian um culture yeah but when i was when i became like vegetarian and then vegan the weight was just dropping off of me and it wasn't because i wanted to lose weight chandler it was because of the animals and i scoff at these like diets that i hear now and these operations and stuff because even like when people say exercise like is the key I like I just do normal things like I walk around and stuff in order to get, you know, places in here and I keep slim like just be, you know, just from average like movement. I it's not it's not what you would call traditional exercise. I don't go into the gym. I don't go jogging outside. Oh it's yeah. It's all because what I eat the plant material just like, you know, I absorb the nutrients and it goes through me. Yeah. And, and no, it- I yeah. I, 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 one more thing. Like, I do think that exercise is good. I'm not saying that, but right. even if, I just heard somebody, um, who was it? I think it was Dr. Joel Wallach. He almost like promotes completely veganism, but not quite. I heard him on Coast to Coast, and he was saying that it's really your diet that keeps you thin, not the exercise. And he was the first person that I ever heard say that. And I, I wanted to try to, I tried calling in, but I can never, I, I can't easily get on that show. Everybody's like, oh, yeah. Cause there's like seven, 700 stations. That, oh, yeah. Monique, that- I, I have a few things to say about that. Now, while I, I have to qualify this so that nobody yells at me, I'm not a qualified dietitian or doctor, but I know a few basic things. I know that the whole calories in, calories out model doesn't work out very well. And here's how I know this, because think about it. If somebody thinks that exercise is the key to losing weight, I got news for them. That'll, that's not really going to do it because a person can eat in one meal what it will take them a month to exercise off. Seriously. You know, mm. you just can't exercise your way to losing weight. It really is the diet. The diet is the main thing. Exercise is wonderful. Yes, exercise is important, but that's more for, you know, strengthening your muscles and feeling good and, and doing what you need to do, you know. And, and like, for example, um, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty healthy. Like, I don't know if you've seen um, my, my, my recent video I uploaded to YouTube. Uh, it's like 20 seconds of muscle. <laughs> I think I did it like it's 20 seconds of muscle and, and I'm showing off like my, my huge muscles in my arms and, and <laughs> like, it's freaky, but you know, I'm really strong and 
and and the reason I do that is because I want people to to I want the image of a vegan to not be some deprived weak person. I want people to see that a vegan can be super strong. You know, I mean, I I, I like to think of myself as strong as a horse. You know, because horses are <laughs> vegan. They're like, look, Monique, um, you can quote me on this because this will crack you up. But horses are like my spirit animal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I kind of feel like that. I just kind of feel like um, horses are just like the way they're. Here's what I love about horses. I, I mean, they're they're so strong, they're so muscular, and they eat grass. <laughs> they're wonderful. They'll just eat grains. That they, they'll eat grass. They'll they'll eat oats. You know, the, they're just wonderful and. I like to be strong like that, you know, and a vegan diet is the way to do it. The horses are proof of that and, and, and elephants, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, my spirit animal is actually a reindeer because I went through the whole course on who my spirit animal is. So I guess reindeer that they eat what grass or i'm not sure but they don't eat meat do they reindeer? yeah you know what's interesting uh reindeer i mean they're a type of deer so they're pretty much the same as most other deer i would assume and here's what i know about deer from what i what i read years ago i mean not only do they eat plants i've seen them out in the woods just eating a variety of leaves off of any weed they can find they're so they'll eat almost any plant i even read though they eat tree bark. They will rip the bark off of trees and eat it. You know? That's it, interesting. Because yeah. I actually um, won a vegetarian voyage to India. And I went in 2011. And the tour guide through this bird park, um, he talked about this particular tree that we stopped at. And he said the bark automatically cleared up acme on your face if you rubbed it against your skin. So there are, are so many homeopathic, natural, organic, plant-based um, solutions to health problems. You rarely hear of anything that's going to heal you that comes from an animal, right? All these books on herbs and whatnot, it's all from plants. Yeah. Not from animal products. Oh, yeah. I mean, really, people just don't get it. Plants are the source because even when you um, – even when people do eat animals, that animal is the plants that it ate. You know, I mean, but so you're not – but you're not getting the full benefit if unless you eat the plants directly, you know? Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, I, I just wanted to make mention of a few other things, and then I believe we should wrap up our show. Uh, just some things that Judy had said about the uh, dogs being shot by the police. Uh, I really hope that that spreads around the country because it definitely is an issue. Not only are many law enforcement officers quick to the gun on people, but they are to animals, too. And um, 
years ago, I believe I mentioned it, I was in Malibu driving home and there was a police car to my left, like peering in at me. And then it went behind me, put its flashing lights on. And I slowed down and I put my emergency lights on to try to find the nearest store that was open so that there would be people and lights around so that I would feel safe. Because I did not know why this officer was um, pulling me over. And I've heard of too many rapes by fake and real officers at desolate, you know, traffic stops where nobody sees what's going on. And um, as I continued my activism, because I got a $500 ticket just for my safety, because I didn't stop on a dime where he wanted me to stop. I stopped at a store and I explained him why I had stopped there. He gave me $500 ticket for failure to yield to his emergency vehicle which came along with a point on my license, which was on there for three years. Disgraceful. But anyway, I fought for like a year when going into the city council meetings and whatnot. And in the process, I saw not only can an officer, you know, corrupt officers hurt people, they hurt the animals too. And I tried to get vegans on my side too, because like I was posting on vegan um Facebook groups and whatnot. And I, I'd have to say, unfortunately, it seems like a lot of vegans now, I think that they're becoming more ethical for humans. But before, back in 2011, I couldn't get them to see like serious issues like sex trafficking and sexual assault and whatnot. Like they'll, they'll click on a cute picture of a cat, but for the human, um, for the for the human ethics they they steer clear and so i started getting them involved with yeah how officers could shoot animals but you know it wasn't just that they really can i mean if you're in a car or whatnot they could just shoot the animal and um what we need is is better training and compassionate uh, education as you said about 30 minutes ago is is key to these officers making the right decisions. Um, and I, I also, I don't want this to go off topic, but I heard on NPR today that, and this just happened last year, someone was having a psychological delusion and crashed his car into the hospital. He thought that he was like a government agent and he, Obama, he was saving Obama or something like that. And it was just horrible. He was totally delusional. He had a mental illness. He crashed into the hospital that he was going to because he had a moment of clarity that he needed to go to the hospital. And they took him in for the hospital. But he kept saying he was manic. He was manic. He was manic. And they didn't put him into a, a psychiatric ward. They just were helping him for his accident. And Anyway, he was trying to take, like, the needles out of his arms and the catheter, catheter, I don't know how you say that, you know, to go to the bathroom. And um, he kept, like, jumping out of bed. So they called security. This was down in Texas. And the police came into the room and shut the door, and they were armed. They shouldn't have shut the door. And before you know it, there was a gunshot. And he was almost killed, this guy. He was having a psychiatric, a psych, a psychiatric, uh, psych, psychotic episode in the hospital room. 
when he was saying that he was manic, you know, and I, I couldn't believe it. And his family, they were doctors and now they're suing and it's just crazy. And now they're looking into it, the hospitals, but they still like are allowing weapons in there. And so, oh man, that is so, that is so cruel and unprofessional. Absolutely. But so I was like, whoa. And I heard this today on the radio while I was going to, and I missed it because it was a protest and it ended like early. So I'm like, oh, I came out all the way and it it ended. But I, I guess while I was in the car, I learned something because it reminded me of somebody in my life that has had delusions and whatnot. I'm like, what these, what people go through if they're in that position. But that's just to say that we need training. It's so important. So I'm so happy that Judy touched upon the fact that she's working on that because, you know, a lot of officers actually like dogs and they're said, you know, they're man's best friends. And I recently saw a photo of a military man who was so upset he was laying his security dog to rest. The dog, I don't know, had been sick or shot or whatnot. And he literally was grieving this military man. And so I know that they care about the animals, but at the same time, they just need more training because they could just be so quick to the gun. And before you know it, there's so many casualties. So we have a lot to continue to work upon. And I mean, I'm, I guess I'm glad that I went through that back in 2011. I didn't feel like I was getting anywhere and I still, I still had to pay the ticket and there was so much corruption and whatnot, but you know, now a lot of um, cities are having video cameras on the officers and they're becoming more accountable. So it's so it's good that we speak out about this, Chandler, and yeah, no, and and what we feel because getting this information out is the way to change things. And as Judy said, getting the information out, making people see these videos about the dairy industries, about the arms going into the vaginal area of of the cows and the bulls, you know, being ejaculate ejaculated. Um, by like, you know, electricity and whatnot, having people see the connection, you know, the cruelty and and what it means, abortion and killing and sexual abuse. And it's all there. It's all there. If we can let them see it, hopefully, hopefully they could be like, no, I'm not going to stand for this. I'm not going to partake in this. I'm not going to use my power and plunk down my $5 on the grocery conveyor belt to, to, to buy this, these products when I know now what's going on. Yeah. And and, and I'll tell you something else, Monique. Um, It's not enough. Like for me personally, it's not enough just to be vegan. It's not enough just to not buy those products. It's also important to let the world know why. Because we want we want these companies to know that it's not that we don't like the taste of their products. It's not that we think they're too expensive. It's not anything like that. It's because it's wrong. 
It's unethical to do these things to these animals, and that's why we're not buying it. They need to know why we're not buying it so that they learn and they get educated so that they can get into a different plant-based uh, product and, uh, and ditch the animal products. If they want to stay in business, they need to get on board with this whole plant diet. Seriously, they need to get on board with that because more people are going vegan. You know, it's a slow process. It's not as fast as I would like, but I but I think maybe there's a chance that at least the majority of the world will someday be vegan because the the evidence is so overwhelming. People just need to overcome their indoctrination and when they see it as we do, they will be doing what we do, Monique. They will. It, as soon as they see it, their life will change. And I and I do this for their to benefit them because there is something liberating. You know, Judy was saying how liberating it is that we don't need to eat these animal products. We don't need to eat meat. We, you know, and and we can be happy and healthy being vegan. I mean, seriously, it's liberating. We want to free people um, to be the their very best and to be cruelty free. It's just so important, you know. And it's like, man, yeah, and even though it's easy to go on forever all day, I do have to say I probably should get going. Um, and, and But I have to say this was a great episode. It was great having Judy as our guest. And so um, as soon as I find the time, I'm going to work on getting this episode ready. Now, d did you want me to wait until um, until April 1st to publish it, or should I publish it sooner? No, you can, you can publish it. You, you should just publish it. Yeah, go ahead. All right, very well then. Um, yeah, I guess in that case, uh, Monique, you have a good night and do what you need to do. And then when I'm able, I'll get this up there. Okay, one more thing. When you tell these folks, these companies, why you're, you know, shopping with them because they have vegan options or if you're telling companies why you're not shopping with them because they don't uh someone just put posted on facebook these business cards and they say i'm shopping at your outlet because you have vegan options and they're like business cards and you can leave them places i think that's an awesome way to tell um folks why you're at a at a particular place because yeah, the companies need to know it's not just because um, it's even like a health thing. How many products are now gluten-free, but they're still not vegan? No, jump on the bandwagon. Make, make it make it everything. I mean, why put like the one negative ingredient and everything else is positive? It doesn't make sense. Uh, there's one product out there, um, Morningstar. They have like all these vegetarian options, but then they put egg white or something in and it just doesn't make sense. It's like, and I don't buy them because of that. And, you know, they should, they should know because they could do a lot more business if they just up their ante. And, you know, I know that it takes money to change things around and whatnot, but once they do it, their business a lot of times explodes in profit. In fact, with restaurants that are vegan, I was on this webinar some years ago and they made three times the profit 
of other restaurants, like 300% in profits than what they set out to do because, you know, there's not that many vegan restaurants around the country. Now they're becoming more and more, but they, they, these companies will make money. There's no reason for them to be in fear and stuck in their, their old antiquated dimension. Just get, get with it, get ethical, get healthy and make money. Exactly. They can still make money by just modifying their business. They, you know, they're not necessarily going to go bankrupt because there are, look, there are there are vegans who do have money even if we may not personally have much money there are there are other vegans in the world who are willing to to pay for for vegan options that's an important thing and 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 I hope that even someday you know McDonald's and Burger King will be converted into vegan restaurants that's kind of a dream that's a far off realization but who knows if that'll ever happen but that's what I'd like to see you know Wow, that is definitely space agey. Okay, well, with that, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank well, you for taking in our show, Chandler. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Monique, and you have a good night. And thanks to our audience for listening. We are the Celibate Vegan Compadres, IIE, on the Celibate Vegan Voices, the CVV Code. Yee! <laughs>